Our featured BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders for this episode are Road Scholar, C International. Read to them. You can find out more about these and other BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders at give.org. You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor, the host. Last week, I had the good fortune of attending the Microsoft Global Nonprofit Leaders Summit. It was in Bellevue, Washington, and I traveled there from the Washington, D.C. area because I wanted to learn about what was brewing with AI development. And as you know, last week we had Toshi Hu on the show. Toshi is the Emerging Media Labs director at the Institute for the Future. And they've been doing a lot of study around AI and the impact on society and institutions. But this event, or that Microsoft hosted, really opened up some concepts to fuller exploration. And I'm really glad that I attended and had a chance to run into quite a few friends while I was there, some of whom were former podcast guests. So that was the second benefit of going is just getting to see and actually meet some new people that I hadn't met before in the philanthropic space. Maybe some of them will be on a podcast at some point, too. But what I wanted to do with the show today was just kind of give you some of my notes from that session so that uh, you would have them and maybe have some of the benefit of attending even though maybe you didn't have the time or inclination to go. There were some really interesting speakers, and the content, I will say, was pretty rich. My overall takeaway from this is that most of us are still in the early stages of understanding this technology and what it can be used for. And we're building it and going to be asked, I think, to build it together. Um, Nothing is really settled yet. Nothing settled yet. But you can expect that institutions and businesses, in particular corporations, are going to be spending huge sums of money to enable this technology. Brad Smith, Microsoft's president and vice chair of the board, indicated in his talk that they will be spending and they already are spending 
$50 billion a year on AI-related work. So you can just imagine that other companies are going to be spending enormous sums as well in maybe a race to see who can make the most out of this from a profitability standpoint. But what that means for the rest of us, I think, is that we can surely expect, unless there's something comes up that we just can't anticipate, we can surely expect that in a few years, AI and related tools will be ubiquitous in our society. And we'll be thinking back to a time where we lived without AI. And it'll seem quite strange. And I think this is going to be happening in a very short while. So let me just give you a brief overview of some of the themes that were discussed. The summit kind of focused on responsible AI development, organizational readiness. So what do organizations need to think about to be ready? There were some use cases and strategy for nonprofits that are developing AI tools and using AI tools. Some of the other key themes emphasized were the importance of partnerships and small starts that demonstrate impact. Some other insights on managing change and risks. Obviously, if you're going to engage in an AI project, you're going to have to manage change. People aren't going to easily, I think, in all cases, be supportive of what you're going to be doing because obviously people worry about what that means to them. Some of the requirements for digital transformation inside of organizations, because some of us are still behind in terms of digitizing our information. There was some guidance on ethical data and AI systems, how we safeguard people while increase accessibility. Some of the examples highlighted were ways to enhance donor and volunteer matching, how we could accelerate research, how we can streamline operations. And overall, I think some of the guidance encouraged nonprofits to thoughtfully leverage AI, but anchor it in humanitarian values. You know, think people first, essentially, then figure out how to use the tool. But making sure we're taking care of people with this. And then to optimize existing efforts and expand the reach across underserved populations through trustworthy innovation built collectively. So, you know, we need to think about populations that are underserved here. These tools should be accessible to everyone. And I heard a lot of talk about the concerns associated with what we currently have, which is a world in which there's still 2.4 billion people that don't have access to reliable internet. And so obviously, if you don't have access to internet, you're not going to be able to use these tools very well. So there's some need to build the infrastructure so that people can have access to this. And on that point, we also have to ask ourselves, do we have enough electricity to make sure that we can use these tools ubiquitously around the globe? As there are still many 
regions of this world that don't have electricity. Now, this is just a personal observation, but so much of AI seems to be linked to our notion of growth mindset. And I always wonder whether there are just places in the world that just prefer living the way that they do. We shouldn't necessarily feel we need to superimpose the way we live on everybody else. And it'll just be interesting to me to see whether AI and its push to adoption also tries to subsume people who are just comfortable living the way that they are. It'll be very interesting to see. So I'll go through a few of the speeches that I heard, some of the presentations. There was a session called Pivoting Fast for Mission Success. And that was with Natasha Crompton, who is the vice president and chief responsible AI officer at Microsoft, and Rebecca Finlay, who is the CEO of Partnerships on AI. And that conversation emphasized the importance of carefully and respectfully handling data. Now, that their focus was on what we do with the data and how we manage it recognizing that it ultimately represents people. Data represents people and their information. We need to make sure that we get the appropriate consent, that we're protecting their data, and that security is really critical here. So we've heard this before. In any technology, we want to make sure that we're protecting people's data. And hopefully this time, maybe we'll find ways to value their data as well. When developing AI systems, defining clear objectives and being transparent about the design choices and not just the technical, but the social and economic impacts is key. So we we have to think about the design choices here, making sure that we're clear and transparent about. Consider who stands to benefit and whose interest the technology serves. Got to think about that. We want to assess potential downsides or worst case scenarios. We can't always assume that AI will be an automatic shortcut to progress. That's the hopeful side of things. But we, when we're building these things, we have to think about what might be some of the worst case scenarios. What could really go wrong and really badly? And if we're not asking those questions, then we could potentially create some significant harms because we will not have thought about it. The field of responsible AI is kind of emerging. So there's this field out there that's evolving and it doesn't have all the answers in terms of what is responsible AI and how do we use it responsibly. It's not settled. So we have to have open and honest conversations that continue about the limitations, the trade-offs, and the unknowns. There are some useful resources that were mentioned That include documentation of best practices, auditing processes, and stakeholder consultation protocols that technology creators can leverage to build accountability. And they say, ultimately, grounding innovation in serving people and communities, not just efficiency, gets to the core of developing AI ethically. People, not efficiency. Although we will get efficiency. But we got to think about people if we're going to be using this ethically, centering human needs again 
and societal benefits will steer progress in a responsible way. So in summary, this talk was some practical guidance and some stress on the thoughtfulness for those building this technology. Another session was called Getting Ready for AI. And Shamana Singh, the founder and president of MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth, Lauren Woodman, who's the CEO of Datakind, John Zoltner, global technology lead at Save the Children. And during this session, they talked about the need to consider AI in a global context and expand access to technology and internet. As I mentioned, over 2 billion people lack reliable digital infrastructure. They discussed the future of work debate around AI automating jobs. You know, we hear this a lot. People concerned about whether the AI is going to come and take our jobs. And these speakers aim to bring groups together to set an agenda for shared prosperity from AI development. There's a lens to look at it, a shared prosperity from AI development. They identified issues around ghost workers. Those are the people behind the scenes who enable AI systems, but don't necessarily get treated fairly from a labor practices standpoint. We got to deal with that. They discussed the importance of interacting with workers to understand their needs and center their well-being. Nice to hear people in tech thinking about this. They give examples of positive AI use cases. For example, personalized tutoring could be a great way to help with education and using AI to connect people to social services. Another great use case. The Wise Giving Alliance, I'll just mention, we're developing our own use case. I'll have more to say about that in another show, but we're going to be making it easier for people to understand and to think about how they should be making gifts to charities using curated information. But I have more to say about that another time. They discussed risks nonprofits should understand before deploying AI. Again, data, security, quality, clarity. Know what you aim to optimize. These things you'll hear, I've heard, for instance, over and over again, inclusive decision-making. You'll hear this over and over again in conversations around risks nonprofits should try to understand. They talked about the shared resources produced by the Partnership on AI and Microsoft to help manage AI risks. And that's the documentation guidelines and inclusive research templates. Check those out. They talked about increased government policy conversations on AI and partnership on AI's role in translating knowledge for policymakers. Summarize that speech or that to summarize that panel. They covered both the potential benefits of AI as well as the risks and challenges that need to be navigated. Trevor Noah gave a, a remarkable presentation. He was part of a Q&A session, and he made several really important points that let me just reach out and say right now. He talked about artificial intelligence having demonstrated the ability to analyze 
expansive data sets and discover insights behind what we can do alone as humans. And it's already enabling major advancements in areas such as healthcare, education, and other fields. However, we got to remain cognizant that AI models can inadvertently develop impactful yet erroneous correlations or mental shortcuts. And developers must continually examine if models function precisely as intended. I mean, these AIs aren't perfect. They're going to do things that aren't really helpful. And we need people to make sure that they're on top of that. I think that's really a common sense statement to make. Advances in AI potentially afford immense opportunity to provide highly customized education. There we go back to education again and at a substantial scale, enhancing accessibility. But we got to tailor these systems to individual students' needs so that they'll really work for the students. That's one of my biggest hopes, really, that we can change the way we educate people, young people in particular, so that they can get the most out of their abilities. For developing nations, Trevor believes that AI could enable accelerated progress in areas such as banking and finance. And he kind of equates what could happen in those areas with what happened with telecommunications and how it leapfrogged over the regular hardwired telephone systems because they really needed it. They couldn't spend money just wiring all of Africa, for instance. But when telecommunications shifted to cell phones, it made it a lot easier for rapid adoption and more likely that people could communicate across distances. Trevor also talked about remaining intellectually agile by readily rejecting outdated ideas when superior notions emerge. You know, we can't just be stuck with what we think we know. When other ideas come and those ideas are better, we need to be flexible, change, change the way we think. He said we should periodically question if AI models operate as assumed and whether we can unlock new comprehension as a result of AI tools. Organizations may strive for altruistic objectives. Ensuring sustainability necessitates managing financial constraints well. So we got to be able to pay for this stuff, right? Even though altruistic objectives matter, but obviously there's some skill involved in balancing these considerations. To fully actualize AI's potential, Trevor thinks that we should determine effective methods to distribute or democratize access for many groups so that they can feasibly build their capabilities with this technology. I thought he did a great job giving us his thoughts on AI. And now it's time for our giving tips segment with Bennett Weiner, one of the world's most renowned experts on charity accountability and the COO of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. 
One of the popular ways to give to children in need in certain developing areas is child sponsorship, where the charity may be advertising a particular story about someone in a village who needs assistance, and the little boy or girl is featured, and you're encouraged to sponsor children by donating a certain amount per month to the charitable organization. One unfortunate misunderstood aspect of child sponsorship groups is that in most cases, sponsor contributions are really pooled with other donations and used to support projects within that child's community overall, where the child lives, rather than being conveyed directly to the child or the child's family. And these community projects may be things like schools, medical care, or disaster assistance, or construction of wells, or other activities. So organizations today, usually they're engaged with child sponsorship, are very careful to describe how sponsorship works so that people will correctly understand what the relationship is between the donor and the particular individual that's being featured in the appeal. Most of these activities are conducted you know, with the assistance of staff who may be involved in identifying children that they could feature in appeals. And the other thing to keep in mind is you may want to look at the organization in terms of whether you agree with the overall philosophy of the organization's approach. Some sponsorship organizations are more religious than others and may have a religious theme. And certainly that's fine to support if you want to do that. But there are other opportunities and alternatives should that not be something that you want to do. So child sponsorship is certainly a very popular type of activity and many organizations use it. But keep in mind and how they work. And if any question about the sponsorship activity, also go to the organization's website to learn more about how they administer and carry out those promises. There was a session on AI use cases with Shirian Varghese from CARE, Lil G. Thomas from Valorium Reply, Sam Kaplan from Submittable, Sam Harper from World Wildlife Fund International, and Tori Cassie from Enhance. And they talked about partnerships being critical. AI is complex, nonprofits benefit obviously immensely from external providers lending technical skills while they contribute mission-focused domain expertise. Intentional collaboration builds mutually beneficial solutions. Partners should structure ways to integrate knowledge, like feedback loops, co-creation workshops. Trusted advisors help navigate AI options responsibly. They offer realistic guidance on use cases, change management, and addressing concerns. So partnering with people who have the expertise will really help organizations build the best possible products. At least that's what came out in this talk. Start small, focus on impact was another theme. Begin work with quick pilots centered around major pain points or top organizational priorities. Make sure you measure your impact, even if it's just saving time initially, and then make a deeper case with other successes that you can have from these smaller projects. Celebrate your successes, learn from your failures, and steady iteration expands adoption. Change management, user mindsets shape AI acceptance. There's no way 
you're going to be able to do this unless your people are on board. So there's some change management that has to take place. You have to position this as if you're assisting staff instead of replacing roles. Transparency must be the key around how it's being used, what data practices are, and ethics. All of that is mandatory to help people overcome any fears that they have. Leaders got to set the tone from modeling, humble curiosity to backing skilled teams. All of this has to come from leader who is really the person responsible for the culture of the organization. Digital transformation kind of enables AI. So we got work to do within our data, within our information systems. They talked about how you can migrate to unified platforms. Obviously, Microsoft is focused on 365 and Dynamics, but other systems will have to do the same thing and get their systems integrated and their channels introduced to AI capabilities. Equally important is developing governance, data strategies, and organizational readiness, ensuring staff have skills to use these new tools. IT modernization requires substantial time, no no doubt. Planning and stakeholder alignment across the organization before you can even adopt this stuff. So a lot of work here around the digital transformation. And I think organizations know this. They've known it for a long time. But for many, it's a question of resources. And I just think that it's great to talk about digital transformation within organizations. But something needs to be done, I believe, to help them get the resources that they need in order to do their work better. Another theme on this was how AI bolsters humanitarian missions, streamlining and enhancing existing efforts. So AI can help nonprofits process more grant applications, match donors and volunteers to programs, provide more personalized service, accelerating analysis and insights, sentiment analysis of quick feedback, faster data categorization and reporting will free up staff time and obviously increasing reach and impact by automating manual tasks. And this will allow nonprofits to deliver support services to more beneficiaries, hopefully with constrained resources. The president of Microsoft spoke, Brad Smith, president and vice chair, and his talk was focused on AI and related technologies and how they're rapidly advancing and have exciting potential to positively impact many areas. There was discussion Brad put out about examples like using AI and phones to detect eye disease and expand access to care. He expressed a need to ensure that these technologies are made widely available and people have the capabilities to use them. This will require building infrastructure and developing partnerships between tech companies, nonprofits, and governments. He talked about history and the evolution of nonprofits. I don't think we talk about this enough. And he highlighted how people come together to address societal needs and, and how this existed even at the beginning of our nation. We don't talk about that enough as a background or as a way for us to have 
a orientation to what giving is all about and why it matters in this country. But I was so glad that someone, at least even in a corporate sector, understood why it was so important and used a significant chunk of his speech to use that as the background to provide inspiration for using AI for social good. He said Microsoft and others are investing heavily, as I mentioned, they're going to be spending, he mentioned over 50 billion a year in AI and not just building infrastructure, but also addressing issues like security, privacy, fairness, and so forth. He wants to ensure people understand AI can, and it should be used in ways that are not just training technical experts. He wants to make sure that it's also training people, everyday people, how to use the applications. Big difference, right? Technical experts are understanding this at a different level than everyday people who just need to use stuff like me. Curiosity and empowering more questioning and problem solving with AI tools can also have profound impact. The vision is to make AI assistive technology and make it available to all people. And then there was a, a sister who spoke, Afua Bruce from ANA Advisory Group, LLC. I was so impressed with her. She killed it on stage and I got to get her on the podcast one day. But her whole thing was to talk about like nonprofit leaders need to think about leading people, processes and technology. And this includes creating supportive environments for staff, having clear procedures and leveraging tools like AI responsibly. In her mind, staff and volunteers are an organization's strongest assets. We all agree with that. Leaders must focus on hiring, training, teamwork, and ensuring staff don't get overburdened. This will allow them space to innovate and adopt recent technologies like AI. So, you know, as in, in nonprofits, we're always right at the limit of what we can do, right, to keep our organizations afloat. But we got to find ways to build in Slack so that people can be innovative and adopt these technologies. Well-defined processes, she says, allow for more creativity in how work gets done. And She gave an example of how process-driven she is. She's extremely process-driven. She believes in processes. And sometimes I know as nonprofits, we want to just do the work and not focus on the process. But the process is key if you want to have long-term success. So I agree with her. And AI can help streamline workflows and improve collaborations across teams. And she shares some examples of using AI for tasks like synthesizing communications. Leaders should think expansively about technology, not just which tools to adopt, but how vendors interact with values, data sharing policies, enhancing equity and access, and differentiating with AI. When we talk to our vendors, for instance, do we ask them these things or do we just say, oh, you got a good product. I just want to use it. Do we ask them about their policies and how the data is going to be shared? Do we ask them about equity and access? As I said, I think she really put it on the table. This is where the rubber meets the road. We can talk all we want about equity and access, but if we don't spend our money on it, it's not going to happen. Guidelines and guardrails are important, she said, when introducing AI to address challenges, to support decision-making. Better manage our programs and relationships. AI should complement, not replace human judgment. Start small. Again, here we go again. Everybody's saying start small. Identify pain points. All that. 
in summary, she kind of encouraged nonprofit leaders to leverage it thoughtfully, leverage AI thoughtfully, and do it in service of their mission and communities and center people and wise leadership. Jared Spataro, the corporate vice president of modern work and business applications at Microsoft, gave a really interesting demonstration on ChatGPT's ability to provide facts and reasoning about assorted topics, but noted that it lacks access to current information. And he then showed how Copilot, this product that Microsoft has developed, uses retrieval augmented generation, or they call it RAG, to find the latest data to reason over. So I'm going to leave that to you all to check out. But he talked about how it can now generate code like Python to graph. And when applied to applications like Microsoft 365, Copilot can summarize emails, documents, calendar meetings, suggest replies, extract action items. So obviously this Copilot thing needs to be considered and looked at. It can summarize email threads. It can even write in ways that sound like you, if you want it to. So obviously we're all going to be checking out this co-pilot. Hopefully though, it won't cost us an arm and a leg to be able to use. So those are my notes. There was a lot going on at this summit. A lot of information to take in. I would imagine for those of you who didn't get a chance to attend it, that you can find out more about what went on at some point. I got to imagine they're going to be releasing the video of the sessions and you probably want to check them out. So that's what I got for you this week. I'm going to try to get some other people on in the ensuing weeks to talk about what happened here. And I just want to thank you all for checking in with me today. If you're listening for the first time, this is the Heart of Giving podcast. And we are a weekly show. We come out every Tuesday. Please follow us by liking and subscribing. Write a comment and stay connected to this podcast and the guests. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you back here next week. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit Heartgiving. Dot podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.